Transformers, especially when the temperatures get high. How ironic I is mean, that, that a Transformer blew up at the dam? All right. <laughs> well, that that's a different dam. That dam's in, what, San Angeles or something weird like that? What was oh, that yeah, number? it was because there was a – Boulder City was this city with skyscrapers. <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah. They used to blow up in Kansas all the time, I swear to God. You'd be like – You'd see smoke and you'd see the fire engines and they're all surrounding some transformer either on a pole or in one of those little substations and they're trying oh. to put that out. I was and it was always in the summer. I, I was thought we were saying that the dams are blowing up, but you know, the, the transformer, the dams are blowing up. I'm like, well, they that's got what water. I, that's <laughs> what I caught. I was like, what, what the hell is going wrong in Kansas? Yeah. I did think that was funny, though. As soon as you said it was a transform, as soon as Deb said it was a transformer on fire, Kirsten comes up with a picture of a transformer on fire. I knew, I knew there was one out there. I started furiously googling. <laughs> oh, you keep that among yourself, sir. Oh no! <laughs> Everybody gets to googling. Nobody's here about your furious googling. He googles oh, yeah. furiously and often. Welcome, Politics. folks. To Geek Shock number six forty eight, I am your subs to host, eighties Jeff, Commander K, and featuring Fact Jack Dandy with Vlarg and Deb. And Ray. we're here to talk to you, weekend geeks. Andy, yeah, welcome back, Andy. I, I, I learned these reindeer games. I got to add like extra my credit now. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. The width so, and uh, the feature, dude. That's it right there. So Todd uh, Torgo, unfortunately, is working a double shift today and tomorrow, so he was not going to be able to join us. It's a gloriously so, Torgo-less cast. <sighs> Sleep yeah. is for the oh. dead. But we, that gives us an excuse to bring Andy back in. Yay! Yay! Any excuse in the storm. Any excuse. I gotcha. Wait a minute. Have we ever seen Andy in the same room as Todd? Not in about three years. Yeah. Mm. Curious. And mm. and that would explain that weird wig Andy is wearing. Mm. Maybe Torgo it's, is catfishing it's, it's us. Really humid out here is what's going on with his hair. I can <laughs> see that. And for the benefit of our listeners, because, you know, this is an audio show, uh, your hair is out of control. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's okay. They can see. Huh? Oh, God. <laughs> He's already posted a picture down the wire, I'm sure. Oh, boy. What? What? Pshaw. Uh, that's why I don't like <laughs> these shows over Skype, because then y- you can post pictures, and I don't know that you're taking pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God, look at that picture. Whoa. Okay, that's... See, Barry, you just don't know that Kirsten always takes pictures when you're not aware. Uh, yeah. He, does, he has had a cow's key, remember? I, I also That's want. Right. I, I need to describe this situation for people who are not on the show right now. I am looking at Kirsten in the video monitor, and right behind him, he's got this standee of Marina Sirtis, and she's <laughs> she's like leaning around a corner, creepy, like staring. Is it at Kirsten or is it at us? I don't know, but it's creeping me out. 
It's very fun. Um, Andy, uh, not Andy. Um, I got a bunch of standees from a friend. Did I mention this on the cast before? I, uh, I actually, so. huh. I had, I've got a bunch. And um, yeah. that includes um, Marina, but also includes uh, 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 Kira Narice yep. and Jadzia Dax. And these are all life-size standees. So when I had a, a DVD night with Vernon, I actually uh, actually put Kira and Jadzia in the bathroom. And I managed to fit Jadzia right behind the toilet. So she's making eye contact with you while you pee. <laughs> and uh, that was good and uh, unsettling for uh, Vernon when he was drunk. <laughs> It doesn't take much to unsettle Vernon when he's drunk, though. Yeah, no, no, not much at all, actually. No. Can someone answer yep. for me why we've never made an Andy Standy? Ooh, <laughs> I'm into this. Oh, we should. I, I think that's a great idea. You know what? You should have an Andy Standy at the convention. Ooh. We should. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Yeah. And you cut his mouth out, and then you put your mouth up behind it, and you could say things like Andy's talking. There you go. And make it <laughs> make it the grand prize. <laughs> now, yeah. The, uh, you, can, you can win this Andy Standy. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Geek Shock will be at the amazing Las Vegas Comic Con, September 16th, 17th, and 18th. We got a booth. We're going to do weird shit. It's going to be great. Which brings me to say, anybody that's going to attend the con, what things would you like us to do in our booth? What events, games, recordings, what would you be interested in? What content would you like us to provide for you while we're there? Write to us. Comments at GeekShockPodcast.com. Put in the tag Las Vegas Comic Con and or the subject line, rather, and let us know what you'd like us to do, because we have some ideas, but we are always willing to entertain uh, fantastic ideas from the fans as to what you, you think we should do. We are yeah. your organ grinders monkeys. Yeah, well, what? Wait a minute. Yeah, no, this, this. <laughs> you made multiple things plural in that sentence. It was bad English. But, there, yeah. there was a lot of, of, of things that were minis. <laughs> Man, you get, to, get to see how the sausage is made. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, having said that, what geeky things did you do this week? And since it's been a while, let's start with you, Andy. Oh, geez. Uh, well, I finished with Marvel. That was uh -huh. wonderful. Uh, I'm waiting. What's the next one? The next thing is, uh, well, Thor: Love and Thunder. I haven't seen yet, but but oh. what's the next series? She-Hulk. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I've been on a museum uh, museum kick. I've been dragging my dad to various museums because that amuses him. So I've gone to the uh, yesterday. I went to the Hartford Science Museum, and uh, we've been to the Berkshire Museum, uh, which is like a weird mix of natural history museum and art museum, and the Norman Rockwell Museum, which has a room with all of the uh, of the uh, covers. Ooh. And uh, Connecticut River Museum. Very exciting for people outside of Connecticut. And, uh, yeah, just a bunch of those. Um, well, hold on. Uh, what, what is at the Connecticut River Museum? Is it just a bunch of bottles of water? No, it's 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 about the 
<laughs> exploration of the river and, and uh, how it was used as a uh, commerce and such. Yeah, they have a Missouri River Museum uh, in Kansas City. It's very much the same thing. I was just going to say that, but you beat me to it. Yeah. But yeah, the Science Museum was the geekiest one. That was full of a whole bunch of, you know, practical demonstrations of science. And uh, But the big thing that we really dug was the uh, butterfly room. They've got one of those butterfly habitat, temporary butterfly habitats. And we sat there for a while just letting the bugs crawl over us. Oh, wow. They're like, is that, uh, so is it? Is that habitat uh, what had that dead bear carcass? Yeah, no, that was something that popped up somewhere else. But yeah, I was <laughs> popped definitely up think, somewhere else. I was definitely thinking about that dead bear cactus in there. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Oh, well, don't bury the lead, Andy. Where did that pop up? Uh, somewhere on Facebook. Somebody posted a picture oh, about it. And I'm, like, okay. oh, I'm stealing that. Oh, OK. All good. Right. For a minute there, I thought you and your dad were doing one of your nature walks, and no. there's a dead bear carcass being munched on by butterflies. <laughs> it would be a black bear out here, so. Which, which, which is a, a total Andy story, actually. Yeah. I could see you just, yeah, we found a dead bear carcass and, mm -hmm. and killed by butterflies. And, yeah. Very nonchalantly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, been catching up on a couple things, movie wise, yeah, video wise and such. I uh, I finished watching first season of Titans and a little bit more just to get past the cliffhanger. And uh, I'm good. I can stop on that for a while. I may go back to it eventually, but it's it's good. It's not amazing. Uh, started picking up Doctor Who again. I've, it took me a while to figure out where I left off. I had to rewatch a couple episodes, but they're they're good episodes. So where where did you leave off? Uh, I left off um, a couple episodes after uh, Amy Pond's final episode. Oh, so, you got uh, you, you're back. I've got a ways to go. Yeah, so yeah, I'm like not, a decade. No, no, <laughs> no, no. no. Are you before? Seven. Are you pre Capaldi? Yeah. Yes, I'm pre Capaldi. I'm only uh, maybe a dozen or so episodes into Claire. Okay. Yeah. You got a while to go. It's, yeah, and and I'm enjoying it. And that's fun. Uh, I think that's the best. You know, I'll watch another another Bond flip. We didn't dive through those as quickly as I thought we would. So, I'm finding those old Bond movies. And I know it's heresy, but the uh, the old movies are slow as hell, and the music is just painful. It's like, well, there's that same four notes again, played over and over again. <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, da, oh boy! You know it, what's funny? You mentioned that. Uh, I, I was thinking about an old movie I saw uh, like a little while ago, and how it was so slow, and it, the pacing was slow, the music was weird, and I noticed that a lot of movies of that time period, like the '60s and '70s, they're like that. Mm. And nowadays, everything's quick, quick, quick. Yeah, it was just. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you want to see a weird thing. Watch the Marx Brothers movies. I mean, the, the lines are hilarious, but the pacing and the timing is so weird. Right. And then yeah. you really you really sit there, there. There should be music in here somewhere. Right. There would be like some sound. But... Yeah. They uh, and, and movies like that, that's because of their their vaudeville background. I mean, they're really they're really doing more theater stuff in front of a camera than uh, film film. Mm -hmm. Well, look at Star Trek, the motion picture. 
<laughs> the motionless picture. The motionless picture. picture. Yeah. yeah. Slow, yeah. drawn out scenes. Yeah. yeah. Yet I still me, love that movie and I will die on that hill. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, it's a, my, my position is it's a very good science fiction movie, but it, for me, it's a rather painful Star Trek movie. You don't like the 20 minute, uh, slow undressing of the Enterprise? Uh, I did in Lower Decks. <laughs> <laughs> that scene fucking murdered me. That scene was so goddamn funny. Oh, that show. I can't wait. That's coming back in August, and I can't wait. Is it yeah. now? Yes. That was their pre-Comic-Con news. Ah, okay. That's super. So I was on, um, I was mentioned on episode 178 of Squaring the Strange, the Jackalope episode, which is a very good episode. Um, yeah, and, and, and hilariously, since it's a uh, skeptic show and it's a show where they're debunking stuff, the, the anecdote Celestia Ward told about me, she actually had completely wrong. <laughs> I mean, she had. I told her I like her version of the story better, but <laughs> several of the elements are just wrong. It's fine. Wow. Uh, well, she just remembered what she said when I said the story, and then, you know, and then as legends grow, she filled in gaps and she filled them in in a way that was more entertaining than they really were. The Jackalope episode. Do you have some? Well, the, no, uh, they were talking about that very thing about people, uh, you know, tour guides and, and stuff, you know, elaborating on things and making stuff up to entertain. And I and she mentioned that I used to take the bus from Vegas to Laughlin to work down there. And uh, I was up to it was a tour bus and they would point out various historical things. And then and, and you know. There's like a mountain that's uh, supposed to look at Lincoln on the way down to Laughlin. Yeah, not so much, but they they just made bullshit up to entertain me on the bus. And so she was wondering if they'd actually mentioned jackalopes on that. Is that where jackalopes yeah. came from? No, actually, it's funny. Actually, it's a great episode because they do actually say exactly where jackalopes come from. They have like patient zero on jackalopes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. When I went through South Dakota, um, it go to obviously see Mount Rushmore and and then we went from there we went on to Yellowstone and everything but like a lot of the little tourist trap areas they had jackalope stuff on the walls they had you know the quote-unquote life-size jackalope which is about 10 feet tall and it has a little saddle on it you can have your picture taken on it. in fact somewhere in my my old pictures that I still need to scan there's a like an eight-year-old Jeff sitting on a, a jackalope statue so, yeah, it's 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 crazy how prevalent it is up there. My childhood bullshit was the Jersey Devil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Jersey Devil will get you. Ooh. And my, my parents would always say that as we were driving through like a wooded area to go to like the shore. Oh, Jersey Devil is going to get you. Better buckle your seatbelt. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, just, we just had witches out here. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. See, we had devils. You had witches. Mm-hmm. It's a whole other ecosystem down in Jersey, man. Not sure we had witches in Connecticut. We definitely haven't been in Massachusetts, so. Hmm. Well, that's close. Yeah. Yeah. When they wanted to get away from it all, they'd go to Connecticut. Mm. No, you're thinking of Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> all bullshit. That's about it. Like, that's like, that's like, that's like a masochist in Newport, you're Rhode Island bound. <laughs> oh, boy. I love that Family Guy episode. Uh, anything else, Andy? Nope, I'm good. Uh, well, in that case, uh, Deb, what geeky things did you do this week? 
So I finished uh, the audiobook for Ninth House, the Lee Bardugo book that takes place in Yale. And I loved it. Uh, this book, the whole time, I'm just like, okay, I want to know what happens. I want to know what happens. So I, I binged some of it while I was working later in the evenings the last couple of days. Um, and at the end of the audiobook, actually, there's an interview between the uh, the woman who's done a lot of her reading and Lee. And it was really cool because she was talking about kind of how this book came to be because you know, the Grishaverse was like her first set of novels. That was the first stuff that she actually published. And so this is a totally complete turnaround, you know, type of story because it's based in the real world about things that actually really exist. And it was really cool because she was talking about how like every place in the novel she actually talks about is a real place in uh, where Yale is like. So the buildings she describes and the things about the buildings are are a hundred percent accurate and real. So yeah, you could actually would, like, go there. New Haven, right there in Connecticut. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's, you know, the eight societies that she talks about all exist. They are all uh secret societies at Yale. Um, obviously, you know, they don't practice magic, but um, they all exist. And so all the houses and stuff she talks about are like the, the places they're meeting houses and stuff. And so I think stuff like that, I find really interesting. It's a lot. It's one of the reasons why I like, I was drawn to, um, the outlander series because, um, there's so much actual historical information intertwined into the fictional story. So you can actually like, it has ties to the real world, but still is fiction. And I, I just really enjoy stories like that. So the book, I really enjoyed it. It's really good. There's a sequel coming out um, early 2023. So I can't wait for that. And I was, was really, really excited. Um, and then I actually got some Skyrim time in. I haven't had some mm. Skyrim time in a while. Yes. I finally got to Skyrim. I got to the stupid part where you go to this island area and then you meet the old... Uh, dragonborn guy who keeps stealing all the souls from the dragons that keep attacking you and you have to kill, which is really obnoxious because the dragons are hard to kill anyway. And he just keeps stealing the souls from me. So I can't even absorb them. It's really obnoxious. Yeah. What do you do about that guy? Yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing he's the big bad at the end of the video game. That's my guess. that's That's what I thought. And that's not true. Oh, okay. Spoilers, Andy. I mean, this is an old game, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a seasoned yeah. game, and Mirak is one of the is the is a big bad of the Solstheim uh, quests, which is an expansion of the original Skyrim. You are off in expansion land right now. Mm-hmm. Oh. You didn't See, know that? Hard. I didn't know well because I'd never played the original. So I have I am playing the version of the game that has everything all together. You didn't I notice when you looked at the map? Whoa, holy crap! Where the hell's uh, where the hell's the, the normal map? Well, I mean, I, yeah, you go to a side continent, but that happens in some games too, where you're going to different areas of the world, and it yeah. doesn't show you the map. It's easier to get back and forth between the main continent and that island than it was to get there initially. So that's I like stayed on an island forever, trying to finish up everything on that thing because I didn't want to take that long thing back, and then I had to go back. I'm like, oh. Well, it's much easier to go back the second time. Got it. Always those damn islands that you get lost on there. Mm. 
but yeah, so work's been really busy. So, and the house stuff. So that's about all I've been able to get done this week. So, but I'm excited that I got to do those things. Uh, I went ahead and got, I, I had somehow missed the previous episode of the Orville. So I watched the last two episodes of the Orville, um, earlier this week and good Lord, that show is just phenomenal this season. Um, I can't say enough good things about the performances from the entire cast. The special effects has been amazing. In fact, this very last episode was really, really good. And I don't want to spoil it because it just came out uh, on Thursday of last week. So I know there's some people that still haven't seen it yet. But if you are not watching Orville New Horizons on Hulu, you should be and you need to fix your life. Gonna gonna disagree with you on that one. Yep. Oh, that's that's, uh, that's your right to disagree, Barry, even though you're frequently wrong when you do. Um, <laughs> I did also, um, I was looking to buy it and I ended up upgrading my PlayStation Plus membership because it was only $20 more and I was able to get a few games that I had been looking for. And even though they were on sale, it was cheaper that way. Um, I got uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. I uh, haven't had a chance to play that one yet, but I did get Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which I know Target, uh, Torgo has talked about before on the show and really enjoyed. And uh, that is a really good game, uh, but you will die a lot in this game. I mean, it's just, it's when you get into those cluster fights where you lose track of some of the character, uh, some of the villains that are trying to attack you and they get behind you and you can't swing the camera around fast enough to figure out where you're being attacked from. Uh, but uh, it's fun game. Voice cast is OK. Some some are better than others, but it's definitely more the comic version of Guardians of the Galaxy versus the Marvel Cinematic Universe version, because you got a very blonde uh, Peter Quill in this one. Uh, that looks absolutely nothing like Chris Pratt, but definitely looks more like the uh, the later run of Guardians from 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 Marvel. So those are the two things I really got to do this week. Uh, Kirsten, what do you got? I, um, having watched Calamity, Exandria Unlimited, uh, last week, I figured I would finally catch up on uh, the regular campaign for Critical Role. And I was a month behind, so that's like 33 hours. Yeah, it's 16, (laughs) 18 hours of viewing. So I went to the very convenient Critical Role written out uh, recap, and I read up to the last episode, and then I watched the last episode. So I'm sort of caught up on Critical Role, and uh, I'm resuming watching that, which is nice and fun. They've got a a new guest uh, player in. And uh, her character is already coming across interesting, so we'll see how uh, how that how that turns out. Is there any talk about a second season of Vox Machina? No, 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 no. They 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 do the oh, you mean the the animated show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will do something at some point. I don't know what the exact plans are though, but yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh, and I watched The Northmen. I finally got to see The Northmen. So ah. that's uh, that's it's really it's really cool because it's uh, 
It's very sword and sorcery ish. It's like, uh, I mean, Roger Egg, uh, Robert Robert or Roger Eggers is doing it, and so there's going to be some spooky something or other to it. And he uh, he does that very well. And so what he does is he plays the myth and the religion as in the Eggers fashion. It is nebulously real, you know. You don't know. You don't know uh, when it comes to stuff like that if it's real or not. And it plays out just like a saga, which is really cool. Alexander Skarsgård's very good in it. Uh, there's some wonderful bit parts. Uh, Willem Dafoe it plays a bit part in it very nicely. When does he get bit and become a vampire? He doesn't. But he might as well be because he was weird in this one. He he's a oh, definitely oh, sure. vampires are weird. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Fine. Yeah. Now we're getting all kinds of letters from the vampires. Yeah. Well, whatever. Why you got to alienate our vampire audience? Because they're they're aliens. How old is William Defoe now? Old. Seventies, <laughs> eighties. Willem uh, Defoe is sixty six. There you oh, go. Older wow. than Andy. Wow. But he's looked older than me for the last like yeah. 40, 40 years. <laughs> you know, it's that. funny because <laughs> even in some of the, the, the movies that I saw him in in the 80s, he looks old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, he kind of still looks the same over the last 40 years, but he's just kind of always looked old. I, I can't explain it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a uh, man's got some mileage on him. Um. Fantastic actor, though. Oh, yeah. It, it just just and the, the whole movie is just loaded with stuff like that. So it's 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 great. Nicole Kidman is good. Anya Taylor-Joy. There's Bjork's uh, in it. Uh, I suppose I didn't recognize her, so I'm not sure who the hell she is. But uh, yes, I did. Hear that Bjork was in it. There was someone singing, so maybe that was her. But anyway, yes, it's uh, I, I, I enjoyed it immensely. It's uh, it's not 300 level of fantasy history. Um, it is uh, kind of accurate in many ways. Uh, so but it is nevertheless a fantastical uh, historically uh, stab at accurate for the Amleth saga which was the progenitor of Hamlet. So uh, <clears throat> I just Googled uh, young Willem Dafoe and it's a trip. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he doesn't look like, well, I mean, he looks, he's clearly a Willem Dafoe, but like in one of these, it looks like uh, Macaulay Culkin and another one. He's uh, got a 73 one where he's got long blonde hair. I forget what, what the hell was he? Because he did some funky uh, Broadway stuff or off-Broadway stuff, didn't he, Andy? Uh, let's see. Here's a picture. The long hair is 75. Uh, da, 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 da. Theater instruction uh, called Civil Commitment Hearings. Mm-hmm. Not sure what that was. I don't know. I don't know. I For some reason, I was thinking, like, Jesus Christ Superstar, stuff like that, something. But I could be wrong. He doesn't start looking like William Dafoe into the 80s, I would say. Uh, well, you know, you got to get the when he starts gotta, getting those creases in, yeah, those canyons, and some That's, of these it looks a little like Jim Carrey. 
Yes, I have seen a few of those like that. That uh, does he does get like that. Barry, what yeah, have you got? Not a real, not a whole lot actually. I just been nose to the grindstone, working, doing house moving stuff. So I really didn't do a lot. I mean, we did like the normal stuff that geeks do. Went and saw the new uh, movie. What was it? What, what did we see? Deb? Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, that Thunder. one. Love and Thunder it was really good. Go oh my it. god, it was awesome. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, go see it. I'm not going to spoil it. What Andy and I, by the way, are, are going to be when he gets back to town. We'll be starting a uh, a ska band called Love and Thunder. Just so you guys mm. know, Love and Blunder. Which one's love? Which one's thunder? There you go. I think that's going to be our lead song, actually. But he's playing the trumpet. It's a ska band, so you got a trumpet player and you got a saxophone player, and oh, we got eight guys to do that. Yeah, uh, in unison. We've got we've got musicians for that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eight you guys in a, spa, a ska band. There's going to be more people in the band than there's going to be in the audience. <laughs> you haven't lived until you've heard a ska version of uh, of ACDC's Thunder. And based on the and based on the typical booking fees and the number of artists, you're probably making about a buck an hour a piece. When was yeah. ska popular? What what minute of what year was it popular? And is the Mid nineties because I was in high school. So there it is. Even more reason yeah. why the nineties. Yeah, but that's for music. Wasn't it that? Wasn't that the uh, during the swing craze? Uh, yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. Yep. Because okay. I thought that. It keeps bouncing back up. I mean, it, it really is uh, about the time reggae came out. Ska was coming out too, and then they bounced back and forth off of each other and. <laughs> and yeah, there's, I mean, there's the, the Melbourne ska band. I posted a video of that, of the Melbourne ska band doing the get smart theme. Yeah. Yeah. Barry, don't poo poo this. This is Andy's uh, business plan. This is going to mm. be great. Oh, okay. This is your retirement plan, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And just set us up. You'll be working that ska band till you drop dead in your nineties. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got, Barry? Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> gotta keep the pace. Yeah, I know. We gotta keep the pace. And speaking of pace, uh, we're gonna take it back a second because you mentioned something and then just glossed right over it. How the Orville is supposedly good this season. Let me tell you, I got two episodes in, Deb too, and we're both like, eh, poo poo. Uh, you're. Uh, I haven't watched it uh, yet, but uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about it, and. Uh, I would say you're in the majority minority opinion here. Well, that's yeah. fine. You know what? The majority of people suck. Um, the Orville this season, it's it's more next generation and oh, less no. less funny. Right, and that's oh. oh, Carson. But the reason why we really enjoyed Orville is like it brought a little bit of comedy to Star Trek. That's why we liked it. Yeah, and. But a different kind of comedy, more like a satire, like picking on things comedy and not like, you know, a Lower Decks comedy. It's, it's not different. ready. It's not ready to take on that season four Alan Alda de- uh, directed mash with the maudlin, you know, the sad <laughs> and the book and that heavy stuff. It, we need first and second season mash where it's happy and hoo-ha. Yeah, I mean, I mean this, the first and second season of Orville that I've watched – uh, even when they finish it, when they when they resolve the issue, it's never resolved. So everything's happy at the end. No, it's always. It's, but yeah. there was a lot more humor involved. 
A lot more. I'm not wow. saying lower decks humor. I'm saying just some. Right. You know? Right. Well, I mean, there is some humor this season, but it, it evolved mm. because it had to. It had to move on to a more serious tone because Why? of the change in networks, because of the Why? change. In, because. He's saying it. I'm telling you why. You're just not listening. Yeah. Nor, nor would you probably no agree with me anyway. You're say, you're, you just said you just said uh, they had to evolve because of the change in networks. Is that correct? Change in networks is one thing. Uh, trying to appeal to a more sci-fi centric audience. Uh, also having to get out from underneath a lot of the edicts from 20th Century Fox about how and what they needed to do in each episode. So... There are a lot of different little things that contributed to the change, but I think it's a change for the better. Uh, I think the performances are better. I think the story writing is phenomenal. Uh, visually, it's a l- it's really stunning. So, uh, I, I'm sorry that you don't buy it. First and second episode put a bad taste in my mouth, and I'm going to have to give the third and fourth episode a try. Well, but there's I, only 10 episodes a season, so... There you go. Mm. Once you've done the third and fourth, I mean, you're almost halfway there. You might as well watch it. Yeah, no, no, half. no. There's no, no sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> no sunk cost fallacy with TV. There's too much out there. I can drop this like a hot potato and pick up something else. Well, what else you got for us, Barry? Uh, well, I got a board game review! La, 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 Board games! Ticket to Ride, Rails, and Sales. And Deb's going to have to help me with this one, too, because she played it with me. Now, we are big fans of Ticket to Ride. It's an easy game to pick up. It's not like a dumb shoots and ladders-y Monopoly type of game. It's It requires some strategy, and it's actually kind of fun. And there's lots of different cities. There's like Ticket to Ride, Switzerland. Ticket to Ride, Europe. Ticket to Ride, Germany. Ticket to Ride, your mom. Whatever. Um, but... Rails and Sales is a newer one. It's, it was released in 2019, and it's more than just making routes between cities with trains. You also have to make them with ships, and it's it's a it's a whole new uh, game mechanic. Oh, Sales, S A I L S. Okay. What did you think it was? S A L E S, and it was like an economy yeah. game. Yeah. No, he thought it had to do with soupy sales. Ah, yes. <laughs> Lots of pie in the face. We're, we're just waiting for the And She Don't Care edition. <laughs> hey, before we continue, let me ask you something about pies in the face. Okay. On, um, <clears throat> on Critical Role, they did a gag that involved Sam Regal getting hit with a pie in the face, which was funny. But... And it, it actually got even funnier because the guest uh, player, Erica Ishii, reached over and grabbed a whole swath of whipped cream off of his face and put her in her mouth just to discover it was a shaving cream pie. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> but then they were also talking about how Sam's eyes were starting to tear up and water from the shaving cream. Sure. And yeah. it's like, yes, that does that. Why do people still do shaving cream pies? Wait a minute. It lasts longer while you're waiting for the camera shot. Yep. Be, yeah. For, uh, firmer, also, firmer peaks um, from the whip. Man, yeah. it's just dumb because that shit's not good for your eyes. Well, um, it's no. Yeah, it's called chemicals and they should not go in your orifices of any kind. Duh! Yeah. Right, yeah. because they should be tested on rabbits first. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. and. and 
and also Kirsten, a lot of those old uh, whipped cream slash sha- uh, shaving cream pies to the face, those were all staged. So everybody knew to close their eyes before it hit. And that's why you typically, as soon as you see it fall off, you see them wipe the shaving cream away from right. their eyes. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah, they it knew was it funny. Was coming. He, he covered his eyes because he wiped it. He actually had two un, uh, two uncoated eye holes in this face of – but it was just hilarious because even there, just so close, the 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 fumes or whatever were, were irritating his eyes. The funniest part, though, was Erica Ishii just loud – uh, the, the cream in her uh, mouth and then going, ah, and everybody losing it because they're like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. It's it. That was pretty good. But I was just well, curious. But the whole the whole the cream sits there makes sense. So that's when what Rails and Sales is like. It's like a shaving cream pie in the mouth. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually a, it's actually a good game. If you like the Ticket to Ride games, you're going to like Rails and Sales. Uh, it's a I want to say it's slightly longer game because you got so many pieces and there's a lot to it and you get two two boards. It's like two games. There's the Great Lakes and then going around the world. They they play exactly the same. Um but you have to choose. Do you do you have ships or do you have trains? You got to choose how many you have, and and it, there's a lot of strategy involved in this one. I think collective, like Deb and I, I think we agree on this. It, it was okay. It wasn't the best ticket to ride. Would you agree? Yes, and I think part of it is it takes out some of the mechanics that you're used to, like longest, uh, like longest train and things like that. So like. You kind of really have to uh, divorce your brain from a lot of the set standard rules that most tickets to ride have. Um, I mean, it wasn't unenjoyable. It was still a, a, a decent game. It's just it's different than what I was expecting. Yeah. So ticket to ride, the rails and sales. It's uh, it's not a bad play. So check it out in your local game store. S a i l s. Yes. Well, we have one piece of listener mail. Okay. Before we move on. Viewer mail. Listener mail. Viewer, listener, right. Sorry. Viewer mail. All right. First one one is for you, Barry. Oh, I have mail, do I? Okay. Uh Uh-oh. This is going to be some horrible shit from Aussie Matt, I bet. (laughs) Dear Barry, Kenton Miller here. Oh, Kenton Miller! In episode 646, upon announcing I won the Whiskey Golem figure... Hooray. You and your fellow geeks praised me for my cool first name. Thank you so much. We did. You really made my day. But I need to know, am I the asshole? You see, when I married my beautiful wife in 1994, I seriously considered taking her last name as my own. Miller is boring, especially here in the Midwest. And her maiden name is very unusual. Only her immediate family had that last name in the U.S. at the time of our marriage. Backstory. My father-in-law is Danish. He is a total badass and still loves to tell stories of when he and school chums would fuck with occupying Nazi Germans during World War II. (laughs) And of his time spent in the Danish Queen's Royal Mounted Guard prior to immigrating to the United States. The story goes that when my wife's great-great-great-grandpa was living the Danish tradition was to make your last name the son of, hence a vast amount of Sorensen, Hansen, and other such Sen names. To make things even more confusing, the last name changed every generation. 
So while your last name is Rob, if you and Deb have a child, their last name would have been Berryson. To alleviate the confusion, the king decreed slash suggested that each family choose a last name and stick with it. So my wife's ancestor chose a wildly uh, unique and glaringly undanish last name. One of the few places this last name is found is as the name of a small town in Italy, a place the ancestor choosing the name had certainly never been. To this day, only the family of my wife in the U.S. and Denmark has this last name. Am I the asshole for not taking the last name of my wife and being legally Kenton Brony? Pronounced just like Tony Oh, boy. Fans. Oh, wow. You are not the asshole for not taking that name. Not the asshole. Not the asshole at all. Don't take that name. <laughs> no. and, and then, of course, it's signed Kenton Miller. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I've known uh, some Millers you know, in it, my it, time, and cool. there's nothing wrong with the name Miller, but Brony. Ooh. Okay. Were Were you in any other time period but right now? Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> well, at least your parents didn't name you Barney. Then that would have just been cruel. Barney Brony. Barney Miller. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Now yeah Barney, Barney Brony. Barney too. Barney. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing's fucked. Yeah, it'd be terrible to be named after a popular TV character. Or Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I pity the dumb schmuck who ends up with a popular TV character name. Tony Brony? Andy All Taylor. Right. Wait a minute. Yeah. Who's Andy Taylor? The Sheriff of Mayberry. Dude, that's some old shit. I don't know. <laughs> but I grew up, I, I grew up uh, answering questions about Opie. That's right. Uh, that's right. If your last name is Dylan, feel free to name your kid Marshall. Because who the hell is going to know? Wow. That's nice. <laughs> kind of like that one. Yeah. News you don't give a shit about. Ah! Ah! In news you don't give a shit about. Netflix chief Reed Hastings says the end of linear TV is coming over the next five to ten years. So who's the what? The end of linear TV is coming. I don't know what that means. It's definitely the end of linear TV over the next five to ten years. Stop saying that. What does that mean? Hold on. Saying it with a different inflection does not educate me. Let me read. Eh. Okay. Okay. So Hastings said this while discussing Netflix's financial and subscriber results on the pre-recorded Q&A, which came on the heels of the reveal that the streamer lost 970,000 subscribers in Q2. Loss was actually a win for Netflix, which had originally expected to lose 2 million subscribers by the end of June. In a letter to shareholders, breaking down its Q2 performance, Netflix wrote, In the U.S., which is one of the most competitive markets in the world, we drew more TV viewing time than any other outlet during the 2021-2022 TV season, nearly matching the combined total of the two most watched broadcast networks. He added, as Neil Simwell announced on Thursday, our share of U.S. TV viewing reached an all-time high at 7.7% in June versus 6.6% in June of 2021, demonstrating our ability to grow our engagement share as we continue to improve our service. Um, Netflix plans to launch its cheaper ad-supported option in early 2023. The streamer has struck an exclusive pact with Microsoft to help build out that tier, 
promising it won't resemble advertising on broadcast TV. Per Greg Peters, Chief Product Officer and Chief Operating Officer said on Tuesday, we're optimistic that over a couple of years, we can deliver an experience that is fundamentally different than the advertising experience on linear networks in a way that fundamentally benefits all the stakeholders. So for linear TV, what he's meaning is normal broadcast TV, like ABC, NBC, CBS on regular television. Who the hell is even watching that still? People do, surprisingly. Higher age demographic, I believe it's 50 to 65 right now is the highest uh, age viewing bracket. Okay, but why wouldn't you say broadcast TV? What the hell does linear TV mean? I think it's a new term that they're trying to give it, which is like live. You know, it's another way of saying live television, I guess, where you have to watch at a certain time. Right. Well, then you've done well here because not only do I not give a shit about this, I hate that. <laughs> and you I know what? I, I understand the term because not all linear TV is broadcast TV. You've got stuff uh, – like one day I was bored out of my mind and I was I put like cops on. I was looking at that. Where, where can I watch cops? Because you know it's been on somewhere on some broadcast channel for the last 20 years, but I was only have my computer. And so there's this other service that's not broadcast, but it's, it only shows what it shows at the, whatever time you're watching it. So that makes sense that they change it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's really what it is, is limited TV. And we don't need to be limited like that anymore. I want to watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it. The only limitation that I'll accept and not even, and only begrudgingly is having to wait a week for the next thing to be released. Yeah, that's that's still a sticking point with me with some of the streaming services is that you still have that weekly release schedule, which I feel like is somewhat outdated, but that they're just clinging to it to try to, you know, increase hype and buzz every week. Well, of well, course they are. Of course they are. Because w- is there anything else watchable on the Paramount Network other than Star Trek? Well, that and I think, Jeffrey, you hit the right point with demographics. There are probably there are probably millions of people out there in a specific generation or two that really they don't want to watch what they want to watch at the time they want to watch it. They they want a structured schedule right. that they they can just see, you know, and, and, and organize around it. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. And I might be wrong. It might be like 55 to 85 or something, because I know a lot of older people that will not watch anything like people my dad's age and and skews even, I would say, five to 10 years older than my dad. He's 75, that they absolutely refuse to watch any type of video on the Internet, even like YouTube. They won't watch that when like they're. Their grandkids. Oh, you gotta watch this. It's funny. I'm like ah, it's it. Video is for the TV. It's not for the computer. Blah blah blah. Well, it's it's also it's a structure that they can depend on. I mean, Andy, right? Your dad's big on uh, uh, Jeopardy. Yes. Right. And does he have like you know, uh oh, time for Wapner moments? Does he oh. have? Like, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the problem with that is that's not the the current episode is not run anywhere that I can stream. It's on YouTube, but, but it's unofficial. Somebody cuts them together and they don't do it well. They, they will often cut off three or four questions here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's funny that you mentioned that now. I was just thinking about um, 
my 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 mom's mother passed away when I was I was ten or twelve or maybe thirty. I think it was ten or twelve actually. Now that I think about it, somewhere in there. So I was pretty young still, but I do remember she did not watch TV except for Wheel of Fortune. Like that was her thing, you know. She would sit down, turn on Wheel of Fortune, and that was the only thing that she would watch all day long. That half hour time slot, and that was that was her structure. Mm. You know, she you know had the family time. She'd do her gardening. She would do whatever cooking she was getting ready to do. But everything stopped, and I'm pretty sure it was about 6:30 p.m. Uh, in Michigan at the time. She would sit down in front of the TV, watch Wheel of Fortune. And then when it was done, she'd turn the TV off and go on to whatever else she did before she went to bed. And she went to bed early, like eight o'clock. Mm. Uh, that routine can be very reassuring. Um, my first year out of college, I worked at a video store in Evanston, Illinois, where my university was. Neyland's Video. And it was a storefront that was in this <clears throat> large block of buildings that was a converted hotel. It had been converted into essentially an old folks home, a retirement home. And um, eventually the, 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 the brothers who owned the video store expanded and were selling groceries. They were selling little, you know, some milk, some bread, newspapers and stuff like that for the old folks. And we had a stream so, of old folks who came in. So the building was all a hotel turned into old folks condos basically. But with like one video store in the middle of it, the the only no we had we had they had this is this is an old Art Deco building, Andy. They had Ooh. storefront setups along the along uh, the front of the building, oh, along the, the street, and then upstairs. Yes, along the, the street. I, I, I have to ask: Were the old people kind? Did they rewind? <laughs> well, actually, one of the points is a lot of them didn't buy videos. They came in for the milk. For the coffee. And the, the reason I'm bringing it up is because there was something where with with not I wouldn't say a frequency, but every now and then we wouldn't get the Sunday paper or the Sunday paper would be late. And these people would get fucked up if the Sunday paper wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they. You're literally talking about septuagenarians, octogenarians, wide eyed, looking around the room going, well, what am I going to do? Because the, the Sunday paper wasn't there for them to pick up when they came down for it. And that kind of structure is very reassuring for them. And you deviate. It fucks them up. So I could see, quote unquote, linear television, which is really funny because I think in some geek circles, I've seen it referred to as like appointment television. Yeah. But but um yeah, you I like, you that, I like that better than linear. Yeah. I do too. But you know, of course they're gonna you know, probably the broadcast people have been pushing linear because appointment television they probably don't like that term. <laughs> but anyway, without that, I think a lot of people there are millions out there who I, they may literally not know what the fuck to do on oh, a yeah. daily basis. I, I, you know, it's funny you said that, Kirsten, because that reminds me a lot of when uh, mid '90s, when I was a a manager at McDonald's, I used to open uh, the restaurant for breakfast, and I remember um, we started selling uh, the local paper and uh, USA Today, 
And I remember we would have like the same five people would show up right at six o'clock when we opened those doors. They would plunk down their 25 cents for their senior coffee. They would go find a place, sit down, come back up, buy a copy of the USA Today or uh, the local newspaper. They would sit down. They'd be there for about half hour, 45 minutes, get a refill on the coffee, and they were gone. Same routine every day. And that's funny. I have a similar story. USA Today was late one day. It got there at 6.15. And that 15 minutes, cause, well, normally it would arrive at 5.30, and we would put it in the bins before we open. But for whatever reason, it was, it was late that day. So the people that showed up at 6 were freaking out because the USA Today wasn't there. It showed up 15 minutes later, but it threw off their whole routine. Their whole routine was disrupted. So they ended up being there for about an hour and a half so that they could get that paper read in before they moved on to their other thing. Boy, yeah, and, and, and I can even see that, too, where it's like it's like 15 minutes late and they end up staying there an hour and a half. Yep. Because now their whole clock is just so fucked up. They don't even mm -hmm. know what they're doing. Yeah, they didn't it's, know what time it was. Yeah, it's really, really it's a it's a bizarre phenomenon. So but that I, happens when you get older, you get mildly autistic and you and you need to be a slave to routine because is that what I have to look forward to? Uh, when you get older, person, your level of fear goes up, which is one thing that's bizarre. And and routine is comforting to some people, a lot of people. Barry, you have no structure anyway, so I don't think it'll be a problem for you. Yeah. Uh, I thrive in a little chaos. It's nice. Barry is fearless, so he's going to be at a total loss when he gets old because he doesn't know what the, you know, All he right. won't care. All right, that's good. This is a reassuring story. Don't worry. <laughs> His hate machine will grind on. <laughs> what else you got, Deb? News you don't give a shit about, but Deb does. Oh, boy. Mm. Dropout TV has revealed the next campaign of Dimension 20. It's Dungeons & Dragons show. It's called A Court of Fae and Flowers. The new campaign sees a... Oh, a my God, they bridgerton it. Oh, they did. Okay. Uh, sees Abria Inger once again taking the reins as dungeon master, weaving a tale about the complicated politics of a fae court. A Court of Fae and Flowers will premiere on August 3rd on Dropout TV, and the season is set to run for 10 episodes. Like most of Dimension 20's campaigns, A Court of Fae and Flowers will use Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, but it will also incorporate rules from Story Brewer's Jane Austen-inspired tabletop role-playing game, Good Society. Published in 2018, Good Society utilizes more collaborative role-playing in comparison to D&D's often confrontational combat, featuring storylines closer in style to what's seen in Downton Abbey or Bridgerton. There's less outright combat against your enemies. Instead, you need to work with the systems of high society, exploit your connections, lean upon your family's influence, and plant rumors in order to achieve your secret aim. Inger's... That's not D&D. That's World of Darkness. It gets, it gets even better, right? Oh, Inger is a popular and it's a bit of It's a little bit of masquerade. Yeah, World yes. of Darkness. Inger is and, a popular... And you know what else? It's, it's a lot like Vampire, the RPG. That's the same goddamn thing! What are you people doing to me? Please continue with your shitty story, Deb. <laughs> Inger is a popular and much-loved face in the Dimension 20 community 
making her debut as a player in the Pirates of Leviathan. Beyond Dimension 20, Inger is one of the most talented voices and storytellers in the D&D space and tabletop RPGs at large. She's appeared on Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, Vampire the Masquerade, New York by Night, and Roll20. For Court of Fame Flowers, Inger will join veteran Dimension 20 players Brennan Lee Mulligan, Lou Wilson, and Emily Oxford, as well as new players Serena Marie, Oscar Montoya, and Omar Najam. The six players will be portraying different fae who have come out together to celebrate the bloom, an event that delivers the necessary doses of magic to the fae wild and the other realms. When the bloom comes under threat, the six fae will have to band together in order to save it, all while each also pursues their own selfish goals. And guess what? This game, Good Society, this RPG, also has a LARP. Of they course LARP they do. <laughs> <laughs> you too, wow. Barry and Andy totally united in contempt. <laughs> guess, guess what Barry's going to be doing with Devin of, uh, for her birthday next year? <laughs> I want to see Barry in some elf ears. Okay, oh, my I, God. I, I want to see Barry LARPing. That would be <laughs> just be big dragged around. Look at that miserable look on his face. Nick, I'm only here because my girlfriend wants me to be. <laughs> I have to tell you, okay, so... I, I know Barry hasn't read it, but Dresden Files. So the Dresden Files series, uh, Butcher really kind of goes into a lot of detail about the Fae um, and, you know, the Queen of Air and Darkness and kind of a lot of the court politics and things that go along with, you know, the, the good side of the Fae, essentially the light and then the dark. And this reminds me a lot of that, which is why I was really interested in this game, because it incorporates, like... Like it says, the Bridgerton, Downton Abbey, high society air, but with the fey like intrigue and like politic type storyline. That's why it sounds really cool to me. Fey are aggravating gits. I can't stand fey in D and D. It's just, ugh. and then you're gonna throw Jane Austen on top of it. Yes. Just- okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is news that specifically Barry hates. It's news that Dub Dub loves, but loves, you, know, yes. you guys might not care. Yeah. Yes, driving a wedge between you two—it's sad. <laughs> Actually, I I like I like the Deb. You're getting so many segments because I like this. I like news you don't give a shit about, but Deb does. <laughs> and now it's news you don't give a shit about, but Barry's gonna hate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but that's that's pretty much all of news you don't give a shit about. And frankly, we can geek as well. True. Barry. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot what of this the, world uh, to despise, but you know, we can start with Good Society, the Jane Austen RPG and whatever what this is thing the, is. Uh, what is the uh Patreon level to get Barry in a fairy costume? <laughs> Ooh. There's <laughs> not enough money. Not enough <laughs> money. We would have to come up with a Kofi membership level that it's only one person can can subscribe to this, and it has to go. It'd be like almost auctioned off, and it's like whoever the highest bidder is, and then Barry has to dress up. Well, you got to start with a few zeros. <laughs> <clears throat> we'll figure um, it out. On which end? After <laughs> the decimal point. <laughs> 
That is it for me this week. Now I'll tell you this: I've LARPed before. I used to run, uh, help run a vampire LARP in the uh, in the nineties when all that was cool and goth was in. It was fun, um, and there was, was it cool. Was it though? Can your voice get any higher? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> I I had a lot of fun. Maybe even higher. I had fun until the nerds got into it. And then it became not fun. Then it became like lightning bolt, lightning bolt, whoa, like whoa, that. Whoa, 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 Hold on. The nerds were always a part of it. <laughs> the nerds were always a part of it, but they weren't a, they weren't a vocal majority. I call bullshit. You can if you want to, the but nerd, I don't care. The, I know who nerds, was there, and I know why I got out of it. The nerds have always been a vocal minority. I said majority. Uh, there was a majority cool people until it wasn't, and then I saw that that shift happening, and I got the hell out. And there was more than just society stuff; it was actually like, like, like there's some fighting and, and whatnot, like a normal role playing game does. But with the World of Darkness stuff, there is a little bit of that political intrigue, mystery, and stuff, uh, dark themes. This sounds like, oh, Mister Darcy, will you save a dance for me? Boo! Roll a twenty. <laughs> you step on her toe <laughs> now I'll tell you what I legit will do uh, I will participate in a one shot of the good society Jane Austen RPG for a, for a with, oh my god and Deb's gotta run it okay. for a one for a one time donation of I don't know, I don't know. But it's going to have at least two zeros at the end of it. All right. We have to wait for Andy to get back to Vegas because with that hair, he needs to be the <laughs> wacky groundskeeper, you know, who's walking around holding a lantern the whole time and <laughs> who, who dispenses amazing advice. Do, right. do we give him one of those really tall chimney, like beat up chimney hats? <laughs> and it's like mashed his hair down. Yeah. And he's like. Hey, what's going on, Governor? <laughs> I heard a ruckus. Did you describe the ruckus? <laughs> we have to LARP this too and record it. Like we'll, we'll all dress up as the characters, but then we'll sit around a table and, and play. Yeah, we'll just sit around a table drinking tea and limbus. Limbus. Uh, limbus. You know, yeah. elf bread, whey bread. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the together. I'm talking about the Jane Austen RPG. Oh, the yeah. Jane Austen RPG doesn't have elves in it normally. Yeah, no, dude. Uh, <laughs> Jane Austen uh, RPG. What? Well, God, Barry, you're such a fruitcake. I just want you to roll back the tape and the noise that Deb made when you said you wanted to do this. <laughs> I've never heard her gasp like that before. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Cash is the prime motivator. Weekend Geek! Yeah! Cautiously optimistic. I don't know. Eh, We'll see what happens. What? I'm just cautiously optimistic about your news. We'll see. Oh, okay. Well, I'm cautiously cautiously optimistic about why Cash is a motivator for it. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty then. Uh, First up, article from The Hollywood Reporter. Now, we all remember... Uh, July 2021, Scarlett Johansson suing Disney, uh, breach of contract because of the Black Widow thing, uh, doing the day and date as opposed to just sending it in the theaters. 
and uh, her lawyer is arguing a diminished box office and her back end compensation. So <clears throat> now as that legal battle stretched into the summer, there were two other Black Widow stakeholders trying to find out what they were owed. Now, this was an interesting little story. Um, the comic book creators behind Yelena Balova, uh, the character played by Florence Pugh, pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew. Uh, they spent months in a back and forth with Marvel to receive payment for her appearance in the film. Writer Devin Grayson and artist J.G. Jones thought that they would be taking home 25 grand each for her appearance in Black Widow, thanks to paperwork they had signed outlining how much they would receive for films, TV shows, video games, action figures, and stuff that featured Yelena. But uh, when they finally did get paid, they got $5,000 each. No breakdown, explanation, nothing. So they were trying to figure out what was going on. And uh, Grayson himself spent the past year um, – I'm sorry, Grayson herself spent the past year uh, trying to figure out how this happened. How does Marvel compensate the comic book writers and artists behind characters fueling the most successful film, film franchise in history? Well, it turns out they've got this really interesting formula and system. Grayson, when she created Yelena, knew that she would uh, not own the character Marvel would. But they have now these things called special character agreements where Marvel will do initiated payment system if a character, said character, appears in other media, right? And it states people would receive 25000 for a theatrical film appearance, 2000 for an episode of TV over 30 minutes, 1000 for an episode of TV less. Action figures, they'd get 5000 for one figure released in a single year, 10000 for two, you know, there would be a maximum of $30,000 pot. It turns out this is like a pot that is shared amongst the creators. What basically happens, it's $25,000, and the co-creators will share in that $25,000. So then it went from Grayson and the artist getting $25,000 each to they would split $25,000. Half, you know, twelve fifty dollars would go to Grayson and uh, half would go to Jones, the artist. But if there's more than one character covered in the special character agreement, the company will share the pot of money amongst the creators who have skin in that character. So like who created Red Guardian or uh, Malena Vostovkov, uh, Rachel Weiss character. There's no ceiling to how much money could be paid, but generally, unless there's a big bump, they're dividing that $25,000 amongst wow. those people. It's holy shit balls. Jones confirmed he received money similar to Grayson, and he says, having spoken to a number of creator, Marvel's financial offerings seem a bit of a bait and switch. They throw out a large number, and then little by little, they whittle down the actual payout. Uh, another way they shrink payments is if uh, they classify some appearances as a cameo. And if a character appears for less than 15% of screen time, it's considered a cameo, and thus they're due less money. By that standard, Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier would have been considered a cameo. He appeared in 22 minutes, just under 15%, 
of its two-hour, 28-run time for Captain America Civil War. Ditto for Captain America, who appeared for less than seven minutes, 30 seconds of Avengers Infinity War. Wow. What a system. Yeah, that's crap. Just amazing. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, I mean, Andy can certainly talk about, uh, not that I'm insinuating he has experience, but just knows about uh, the, the whole, you know, percentage of net versus mm-hmm. percentage of gross and how that's often used to rip people off. But this is insane. I, I just I can't even believe it. Yeah. So I, I've I've mentioned it on the program before. This isn't directly related to. Uh, to comic book creation, but it does talk about uh, the transfer of a property from one media form to another, like comic book to movie. The most recent uh, edition of The Hollywood Economist really breaks down how they get you into these types of contracts where they, you know, you sign it thinking you're going to get a certain sum, but then they use all this legalese to essentially take that pot of money that, like like Kirsten said, they were going to pay you for creating your character but then they say well because we used all these other sub characters now it's it's split between all of you yeah and and, and, and then they use fanny fancy percentage amounts to say well because this was character was on the screen for this percentage of time they get this amount of money yada 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 so yeah, in the we, examples you use kirsten with the, with the winter soldier and then mm-hmm. captain america those are both joe simo Bucky is a Joe Simon character. Right. Would that even run enter into this? Since he's probably not, I doubt he's. I don't. Even, I, I don't know. I don't know actually what the uh, what the deal is with uh, the Simon and Kirby estates. So it all depends. Uh, a Winter Soldier, though, um, is actually not a Simon or a Kirby creation. So I think even though they're using Bucky, that goes to. Uh, the original creator. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, Joe Casey, who co-created America Chavez, right? Who's mm-hmm. in the 954 million grossing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and has received no payment for the use in the film. But he's trying to he's arguing for just just create a fairer situation. Another example uh, when Belova, Yelena Belova showed up in Hawkeye, per agreement, you would think Grayson would get $1,000, right? It's a $2,000 per episode, split it 1000 for her, 1000 for Jones. And she was informed that her calculations were off and it would be about $300 an episode. <laughs> oh, God. It's, cause, it's because they, they uh, I think it says in that article too, but... Uh, the entire amount of screen time for Yelena over the entire season of Hawkeye was that 15% amount. That's yeah. below the 15%. The cameo. Yeah, that cameo. Which, which calling that performance, calling that a cameo is a bit of a... That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's, so. it's that legalese stuff where they define something and it's clearly more than a cameo, but because it's written down as defined that way... That's yeah. all they they pay out of. All right. So Winter Soldier is uh, Ed Brubaker, by the way. That's there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, speaking right. speaking of comics, we would be fools not to mention that this weekend just happens to be uh, San Diego 
Comic-Con International weekend, right? That's right. Yeah. When we drop, it'll be going on as we're recording. It hasn't started. So we don't really have any news uh, to give just yet. But however, we, it's- we should mention, we should mention this. Uh, friend of the show, Professor Stephen Biggs, has said that this will be his last Comic Con. Why the is last one. I know? Why is this worth mentioning if you don't know who Steve Biggs is? Well, it's worth mentioning because it will be his fiftieth anniversary visit. The man is sixty-five. He's gone for fifty years, pretty sure in a row, and he said he's just like I'm getting too old for this shit. Oh, yeah, oh, he's oh. tired of line con. Yeah, it's become terrible for lines uh, and all the, the deals and the book signings that he can get elsewhere. So he doesn't need to go there. And the losses of people like George Perez, Neil Adams, Tim Sale and others. He's just, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. really worth it. And then Warner Brothers is not having a giant DC booth or their own this year. Um, right. It's, it's <clears throat> for all those reasons, he's just bowing out. He's, he's, go, he's, he's gone for 50 years. 50 years to a con, which I thought I thought I was going to go to Comic-Con for 50 years. After 12, I was like, I don't know anymore, you know? Yeah, you don't have any staying power. (laughs) Shut up. That that was that was that's it's an incredible record. It's amazing. Yeah, I can't imagine doing anything 50 years in a row. Right. I, I, Um, I, I not even living. And I've done it. <laughs> Although I want to pause this for a second because I do believe, Barry, that it's actually next year is Big's final year, not this year. I believe 2023 is when he said will be his final year. Are you year. sure? I'm reading it right off his Facebook. He said, oh, you're right. Next year will be his last Comic-Con. I'm sorry. Uh, so that so next year. See, I thought this was his last one. Huh. No. Well, there you go. Well, you know what? 2023. So who cares about 49? Yeah, screw 49. 50, however. 49 sucks. We're going to try and make it out there. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like we should be there for this momentous milestone of a, of a final Comic-Con for Biggs. And uh, I haven't been in a while. I kind of jones the go. Right. Yeah. We'll we'll, 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 we'll put up a Geek Shock booth there next year. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, no. Biggs (laughs) on the street. Professor Biggs will go to the con, and then we'll go to Little Italy, and then he can just join us for dinner after he's worn himself out at the con. Let's see if we can get a booth in Little Italy, (laughs) just like on our corner. Well, let's get a room with a pension, and then you know, invite people up. Uh, maybe we can get a booth in Gaslamp. They've been putting them out there for a while now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The con has there's, spread. There's, the yeah. last time I was there, I was in a parking lot, I think in Petco. Yep. Field. Yeah. And I was I was I was drawing people's uh, UFO encounters from descriptions. I remember that. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. I have never been to Comic Con. It's this thing that happens. It's yeah, you know. Yeah, I yes. mean, at this honestly, at this, there. at this point, Kirsten, I think the con that we all fell in love with ha- having attended is not the con that you would be going to, right? Because it's gotten to the point where ninety percent of those panels are available online. Sometimes day and date of the actual panel. Sometimes you know, a few hours after that panel has been. Mm. Uh, screened at the convention floor. I never went uh, for the panels. The the lines are ridiculous uh, to get into the panels. Um, the floor is always so crowded. I 
I always seem to get my ankles clipped by parents pushing strollers uh, mm-hmm. with a with the amount of vigor that you would not expect um, on a very cramped floor. I, I just could never figure out how why how and why they would be operating those things so aggressively. And then Deb gets annoyed with me because I swim through that crowd of people like a fish with all elbows and teeth. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like a fish. It's like a freaking bulldozer. <laughs> yeah, but I get he my ducks, shit. He ducks and under mm-hmm. and over and around. I'm walking here with camera equipment. I have a very limited range of motion. And I'm like, where the fuck did Barry go? <laughs> oh, he's all the way over there now. Fuck. There you go. And he's like, Guter, come on. <laughs> oh, memories. Now, and speak- then the guy from Friends shows up. Yeah. Barry, to speak to your comment about uh, they show less and less, one tidbit I do have is another problem, like with Marvel, is while they expect that there might be a couple sneak peeks, like for Wakanda Forever and She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, a lot of people expect Marvel will be saving up the real good stuff for Disney's fan convention, D23. Ah, that makes sense. In the second week of season. Yeah, so. Is D23 the con to go to now? Is that the thing? Well, for Disney, Mm. sounding like it. Well, the the more media outlets that Disney buys, yeah, I'd have to say yes. But let's face it. We, at least me, I never went to the con for for all the panels because I didn't expect to ever get into them. I mean, I had to fake an injury and get a wheelchair, even though I didn't need one, to get into the Spider-Man panel that one time. I wasn't expecting to get in, but I, you know, cheated my way in because that's who I am. Um, But... I always enjoyed it for not for the autographs, but for the for the show floor, for all the crazy shit that's out there, for the costumes, for the gas lamp district, and a lot of it for the people I was hanging around with. You know, we mm-hmm. have pictures of us from back then, and we got a whole crew together, and it's a lot of fun. That crew isn't there anymore. So I'm when I would like, go, eh. all the all the stuff we we're talking about, yes, but I would go for the smaller panels, which yes. are always easier to get into. And yep. often very, very cool. Yeah. Where if you're lucky, Steve Biggs just happens to be on those panels by surprise. Right. Those are right. always fun. So, yeah. Sorry, Biggs. I thought that your 50th was this year. No, it's next year. So expect me there, well, hopefully. There you go. <clears throat> hey, is um, is next year the 50th? Is is? It's been past the 50th. Oh, it has? Okay. Because he was there for the first one. Right. Well, we also haven't had two because we haven't had yeah. – Mm. The 20 and 21. Yeah, those were both Comic-Con at home. Yeah. Maybe okay. it was 40. One of the years we went, it was a big uh, It was a big year uh, anniversary, but maybe it was 40 and not 50. Mm-hmm. So it would have been 40. 73 was the original first one. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So we were there for 40. Okay. Well, there you go. Then, yeah, next year will be the 50th, won't it? If uh, they skipped, if, well, if, you, skipped if you really want to know, just just be really quiet, really quiet, and you can hear Steve Biggs yelling at his computer. Yeah, screaming. <clears throat> yes, like a crazy person. I can hear you. Stop <laughs> that. <laughs> Weak and geek. Hooray! <laughs> this might oh, we're still doing that. Yeah, okay. fall under a uh, uh, news you don't give a shit about. But what the hell? It's pretty funny. TSR Hobby's upcoming tabletop RPG Star Frontiers New Genesis is kind of, uh, has had a playtest leaked. Now, 
this isn't the same TSR that made Dungeons and Dragons. This is a new company launched after the original trademark was not renewed. In fact, several new TSRs have emerged confusingly. Uh, this one is exploiting the uh, the poor advice slash uh, decisions being made by Gygax's widow, where uh, things are just getting you know dropped and and not handled very well. And the the trademark for TSR is one of them. But the real point of Star Wars New Genesis being uh, Star Frontiers New Genesis being leaked is it contains descriptions of race like Negro subrace. Oh, God. Uh, TSR Hobbies, which was made on uh, June 19, 2021, and has been involved with multiple controversies with Wizards of the Coast, which bought the original TSR back in 97, has had several name changes, and it's returned to the TSR brand and its tabletop RPG Star Frontiers New Genesis being written by Dave Johnson has been mired in controversy after numerous bigoted tweets. The uh, playtest leak was leaked by No Hate and Gaming, and they shared uh, pictures from the game's rules that detailed a Negro subrace, describing them as tall, thick-bodied, dark-skinned, dark-skinned, brown-eyed race with large strength, average intelligence. All attributes are in the 10-plus range except intelligence, which is a maximum of plus 9. Oh, God. And that poor writing is all of new Genesis. There's a Nordic race, which is not marked as a sub-race, by the way. And it has exceptional attributes and powers. All attributes are in the 13-plus range. The leaked images show rules that state races in Star Frontier's new Genesis are not unlike races in the real world. Some are better at certain things than others, and some races are superior than others. We'll get on to that later in the manual. Wow. Isn't there like the, a line like, just like in the real world? Uh, yeah. 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 Now, this, this could be... Well, hold on, Andy. Oh, hold okay. on, Andy. The leaked manual also describes the Black Lives Matter and anti-fascist movements as radical. Because, you know, being opposed to racism and not liking fascists is extremist. Oh, my God. Now, I was looking around, bipping around, trying to figure out if this is a troll, if this is fake news, what the hell's going on here? Because one of the things I noticed is that a lot of bigger uh, websites are not carrying it. I think I saw this article on The Gamer, which may, in fact, be the biggest thing I found it on. Mm. So I went to another website I occasionally go to for RPG information. It's called Ten Cars Trap uh, Tavern. Eric Tenkar, T-E-N-K-A-R, uh, is a OSR role-playing um, enthusiast. He comments on a lot of role-playing games, and he's also a former cop, so he's actually into a lot of legal stuff. He did a lot of coverage of the whole insanity behind the Kickstarter for Night of the Dinner Table's web series that kind of took off but didn't take off and had a number of problems and, and all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> so I went to his to see what he had to say on the subject. Now, he did not comment specifically on the racism, but he did say, Star Frontier's new genesis is for reals. I have a PDF copy, and my God, it's a steaming mess. 
It's written as if its sole purpose is to troll Watsi and embarrass them to the point they pay new TSR. He calls it N-U-T-S-R. Kind of cute. Ugh. To simply make Star Frontier's new Genesis and new TSR go away. And I strongly suspect that's not going to happen. And it appears that um, Dave Johnson or a gentleman named Justin L. He just gives them last initial. Wishes to threaten me, Eric Tenkar, with slander and be- run the risk of being sued. Uh, S-U-D-E, apparently. <laughs> but um, it's really what? funny. What yeah, there was a tweet from a guy named Mario Real when uh, Tenkar mentioned that he uh, had the PDF. And it's all caps. Releasing a private information is a crime. Three exclamation points. You're getting sued. You'll not get away with this. You are done. You were sued and you are done. Your slander is over, Ten Car, and you are done. No more putting up with your channel. Lawyers are being called now. Somebody actually responded, nice to see you validate this, Mario. <laughs> so, which is kind of true. And Ten Car actually says, Justin, suing me means discovery. That simply helps my criminal case. Can we expedite? I don't know if it's an honest game, Andy. My suspicion is that Tenkar is probably right. This is probably something to get under Watsi's skin um, to to get them to pay out some fat stacks to, like to, uh, to suppress it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To get them to stop because, um, like he said. I mean, this guy blowing his stack obviously did not want it leaked. So that sounds to me like they meant to keep it quiet. Watsi would look at it and be like, oh, Jesus Christ, here's X amount of money. Please go the fuck away. And uh, he suspects uh, Tenkar, Eric Tenkar suspects that TSR is not going to make a payout. So instead of a payout, uh, everyone gets the let's get the popcorn moment. Uh, you know what? Uh, we'll see how it goes. These guys at the new TSR, and I didn't look too deep into it, so I don't know if uh, Ernie Gygax is still there, one of Gygax's sons, because mm-hmm. he's he's one who had some problematic uh, tweets related to this company a couple years ago, mm-hmm. anti-trans stuff. But... Um, yeah, th- this company has just been – I don't know what the hell its goal is. If it's actually was making – if it ever was intended to make games or they're just being crazy and finding money in that, I don't know. It is weird. That's so these people. I don't get it. Yeah, dude. I mean this is this is the old school movement at the very lowest and most degenerate because they're just totally – I mean, it seems to be the kind of crap totally built on, you know, poning the libs. I just want to roll uh, dice and kill goblins. Jesus Christ. You know, which is very problematic, uh, Barry, because killing goblins represents a colonialist time. Oh, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) Wow. God, it's like that bullshit they're doing with the or they're saying the same thing about the orcs, too. Oh, mm-hmm. why are orcs portrayed so bad? Have any orcs complained? Yeah. 
so anyway. So, so anyway, yeah. So Deb's been very quiet since all that Bridgerton talk. Is she right in the campaign as we speak? <laughs> I'm still here. Oh, okay. Oh, good. She hasn't passed out because Barry said he might do that. <laughs> 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 I might be persuaded. <gasps> oh. Deb, Deb, what I, I I have a challenge for you that you have to complete before the end of the show, which is coming soon. Uh, you need to cast all of us in this uh, in this LARP game we're gonna play. There you go. I maintain Andy has to be the groundskeeper, though. I came up with that. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> now, is he the crazy groundskeeper or is he the wise groundskeeper? Yes. Why does it have to be either or? Why not could be yeah. both? Let's get that meme of that little girl. Yeah, there you go. Why not? Oh, oh, um, I stumbled across on YouTube a series called I Accidentally Became a Meme with 10 to 20 minute breakdowns of those memes with the, with the people who actually are in the meme right. explaining how it happened. I've yeah, seen this. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 Did, the, did they they talk? Have they talked to the Ermagerd person? Yes. They have. And yep. um, also the uh, oh, I forget her name. Um, the the intense what's the what's intense the, girlfriend or whatever. Intense or, girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, the the brunette, yeah. the big yeah. wide eyes. That's and the, yep. Yep. everyone knows that story. She made a fun video and then she made lots more videos and she's she's owning it. It's not like a surprise there. I want to see the people who've only been in one meme and disappeared. So yeah, well, that's the, the, the those show up in that thing too. Look at that! say I accidentally became a meme. Right. Series well, there's um. I I had read that the uh, Star Wars kid actually has become actually uh, an anti-bullying spokes- spokesman. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and he actually very rarely talks about the video. He only talks about it when it's in conjunction to the anti-bullying stuff. That kid should have owned it, and it wouldn't have been bullying. Well, I don't know, man, that that it, he he sort of unfortunately ushered in that era of the mm. purloined uh, video. But yeah, anyway, uh, the series you're talking about, Andy, uh, I do remember it. it's on BuzzFeed. Uh, I believe it's on their YouTube channel, mm. but it is called I Accidentally Became a Meme. It's worth checking out. Uh, I don't I think there's only like four or five episodes, though. Oh, I saw more than that. Well, uh, they may have added more since I saw it then. And Jeff, that's all the news I have for this week. Next week, we should have a shit ton because of Comic-Con. We'll see. Yeah, right. right. Depending yeah. on what Marvel releases, actually, at the time. Well, week, week before Comic-Con, or week even week of Comic-Con and week before tend to be a little on the slow side. But, they tend uh, to be a little weak. Uh, <laughs> I hate you. What's your week news week? Write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. And, of course, we want to thank our Kofi sp- uh, sponsors, yeah. Barry. Let's let's thank, uh, in in no particular order, uh, let's thank Aegis Shockey, tier, uh, Brisket Taco Tier 3, King Vault uh, Tier 4, Jacob Flora Tier 1, uh, Elena Knup uh, Tier 3, Scoop Bucky Tier 2, Sour Matty D Tier 1, Mike Kaufman Tier, go fuck yourself, Mike, uh, Aaron <laughs> Esquire Tier 2, Mama Ninja Scoop Tier 2 and Major Meh Tier Butthead. Any one-offs this week, Barry? Uh, yes. Uh, I still want to know why uh, King Vald uh, wants to call us uh, socialist shock. I, I, I don't understand that, but that I'll, I'll accept it. 
Thank you once again, all of our Kofi members and all of our regular listeners. Uh, we couldn't do this without your your love and support. Uh, well, your support anyway. Regular and financial. Uh, so thank you for continuing to listen to us after all these years. And, and we hope you'll to, keep listening. And thanks to Todd's employers for overworking him so I get to ban the show. <laughs> and thanks oh, to uh, and thanks to the pressure I'm about to put on Deb to give us who are we going to play in 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 this Jane Austen RPG? Well, there's like <laughs> looking at the website, so it's not just like playing out a Jane Austen story. It's like you live in London times during Jane Austen. Oh, that's fine, but we each have to have like character classes and such, right? So, Class so, and lineage, right? Yeah. So who, who's Kirsten? Uh, Kirsten gets to play the, the lead. Oh, I forget what they call him, but like he's in charge of the house, the lead Butler. So he knows everything about everyone. <laughs> oh, the, the head Butler, the, the head of house. Okay. Uh, who yeah. is, who is Jeff playing? Uh, Jeff is a aristocrat who is uh, out on society, but not married. And is trying to find a wife. Okay, is Andy playing that wife? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm playing the old man with the lantern in the. Yeah. But then you pull your mask off, and it was Mrs. Habersham all the time. The wise but crazy gown groundskeeper. <laughs> and what about me? Uh, you are Here we the, go. the dark and sinister uh, lord who likes to just like take all of his tenants for. All of their money. Do I get a, like. Do I get a fancy mustache and everything? <laughs> a little twirly mustache. They twirl. They you twirl all the time. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yes. And so, what do you play? Um. The. Uh. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. If yeah, you're going to be running the also, game, she's running the game. She can't play a character. Yeah, the DM. Yeah. Now, is that not fun? Would you have? Would you rather play a character? I could play a character. Well, I could play the DM that is kind of like the NPC. Yes. Like, yeah. An NPC. Well, what NPC would you play? That's what I want to know. Probably like one of the gossipy, like the gossipy girls who's like, just trying to like butt into everybody's life. And then of course, uh, we, we, uh, what about, what about Matt? Maple Leaf Matt, what would he play? Oh goodness. He would play the super shy a uh, bachelor who like um, has to find a wife because um, in order to inherit the family fortune, he needs to get married, but he's super shy. And right. Otherwise they send him back to Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then of course there's Torgo. Torgo probably would be village. The, idiot. No, like the village world traveler, the world traveler. Oh, God. Who, yes. Who shows up when he wants to at these at these events, but always has the best stories and tales to tell. Uh, I hate that. Okay. Uh, and he probably is in Parliament too. Big I can kids, see that. Big Ben, Parliament. There you go. Hey, um, let me squeeze this in before we end too. Uh, Iowa Fair, uh, August eleventh to twenty one. I will be there, drawing characters. The Iowa Fair. Yeah. And you know it's it's uh, it's a most one of the most political fairs because you know I was where the early voting is so there's always I mean I, I saw Pete uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, speak there way back when 
Interesting. And if you mention Geek Shock, he'll give you no percent off, and he'll point right. you toward where you can get the deep fried butter. Uh, yeah, they don't have that. That's where I got the. Uh, I was where I got the uh, um, the, uh, yeah, the Rocky Mountain oysters. Oh, oh, oh! Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Were they deep fried? Oh yes. Of course they were. Uh, what's the butter fare? Uh, the only place I've found, I mean, it used to be in a bunch of fairs. The only place I've found it is a Big E, right? Ten miles away from Ram right now in West Springfield. Wow. Yeah. A hmm. Northeast thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, think would... it's, I think it was just like a leftover. I think it was, you know, I think that was big for a couple of years, and then somebody revived it last year or the year before. Hmm. Did you ever see that movie, Butter? No. Oh, yeah. yes, I did. Yes, I did. And that's about the Iowa Fair. Yeah, that's yeah. why I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. It's actually a um, fun it, movie. It's about like butter sculptures or something. It is, is yes. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jennifer Garner's in it, Ty Burrell, uh, just a bunch of people. Yeah. Oh, Did I know you? what you're talking about now. So <laughs> until next week. Out. What? What, Andy? <laughs> Not Fucking goddammit, Andy. <laughs> Andy, shut up. Until next week, I am 80s Jeff. Commander K. Starring Fact Jack Dandy with Larg and Deb. And, and it wasn't we'll starring, talk. it was featuring. Oh, yeah, yeah. Andy. I, I, I renegotiated my contract during the show. Uh huh. Yeah, you oh, got the Marvel it? contract, buddy. <laughs> oh, God. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Hooray. Yeah, yeah. go see Butter. It's actually a fun movie. Butter's pretty good. It's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's I mean it's all about the competition for doing the butter sculpture and it's actually something people do for decades. So yeah, the conceit is wrong, but it's funny. And ne- next week Torgo gets to come back and ra- ra- you know wrangle the cats. Boo! Mm-hmm. It's been Mew. a nice Torgoless episode. Oh, it's a breath of yeah, fresh air. Yeah, but you air. get Andy and you get Andy in exchange. That, I don't know that uh, we e- won here. That's even better. Oh, man. Don't it's encourage 30, him. 30% less portrayal when you got Andy. <laughs> well, there is that. And That's... and uh, 60% more hair. Yeah. And 100% more spillage. Yes. He hasn't spilled anything this episode. That, that we can see. Of. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. assume he spilled nothing. <laughs> you know what I they say when you assume, money. Barry. That that Jeff's a moron. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that that extraterrestrials think Barry is an asshole. <laughs> well, Sounds Matt does. Right. Matt does already, so it's okay. The, the good Matt, not our Matt. <laughs> All right. The Technically, Matt. the bad Matt. Upside down Matt. The welcome Matt. The welcome Matt. Oh. oh. Welcome Matt. Yeah. Do, 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 do.